Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of RealCom Live. Um, I got to tell you, uh, today's conversation is going to be one um, that's going to be insightful, informative, uh, and for me, it's going to be really, really enjoyable. Uh, the gentleman that we're going to be bringing on here in a second, Clayton Ulrich, the SVP of Operations and Engineering at Heinz, one of the world's most successful uh, commercial real estate companies. Um, he's probably one of the most experienced, longstanding senior execs with over 40 years of experience. Clayton has seen it all. He, he will tell you, he's there he is. He started as an engineer, has come up through the ranks of Heinz. And, and, and our conversation is gonna have a couple different angles. It's number one, we wanna dig into your brain, Clayton. We wanna know how did you last 40 years at one company and, and all the things you saw at that company. Number two, we're going to talk about a little bit about why it's so important to recognize people who've been in the industry for a while, even though the tech is changing everything fast, the knowledge of somebody like yourself compared to somebody who's been in the business three years, not even close. Um, and and what, what we're really looking to get out of this conversation is some sage advice um, from somebody who started out as a you know raw commercial real estate guy. And through our journey over the years, you've, you've found an appetite for technology innovation and how did you make that change? So with that, welcome. It is good to see you. Um, I would guess I would call you my friend. And uh, let's start out with a little intro. Tell us a little bit about Clayton going all the way back to what was it, 1973, I think is the year. <laughs> you know, thank you, Jim. I, I'm going to start by just saying in June of 2023, I will have been in this business for 50 years. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I started in September. Uh, of well, in September of eight, I will be with Heinz for 47 years. But I started back June 1 of 1973 for a small gas company, Tennessee Gas, Tenneco Gas here in Houston, in their real estate group. Wow. And and I got some great experience and, and got to know some great people that, that really wanted their engineering to be industry leading, even though they didn't see themselves necessarily competitive in the real estate business. They were a small real estate player. And, you know, I had a good friend that worked there for 13 years and left and came to work for Heinz. And I had enough respect for him to say, hey, when you find out it was a good decision to go over there, call me. And he <laughs> did. So I ended up coming to work for Heinz uh, September the 8th of 1975 as a what then would be called the City Houston Lashkin third grade stationary engineer. And in Heinz, I've gone from building engineer to engineering management, to corporate engineering, to corporate engineering leadership, to corporate operations leadership, global sustainability officer, and now carbon strategy leadership for the firm. And Jim, it's, it's only been possible because Heinz has been such a vibrant, growing and open company. The Heinz likes to grow our talent internally and they like to reward people that are, work hard and can be diverse. And so it's, you know, I've been, just blessed to be here. I, I'm, I'm not highly intelligent. I'm a hard worker uh, and I'm, I'm diverse. You know, when the good Lord gave me my dose of things, he didn't overload any of my bucket. I'm not particularly smart. I'm not particularly athletic, but I'm also not short in, in a lot of areas. So, you know, I've just been blessed to be scrappy, here. Scrappy, scrappy, tenacious are kind of kind of some words that come to my mind. Yeah. Persistent, I, I, doesn't quit. Yeah. Well, I, I want to add value and I want to I want to make a difference uh, in the ways that I can. And I want, you know, Jim, one of the things I do is I look I look forward at how I want people to think about me at the end of my time. 
Right. And I try to model my behavior for that. You know, I, I want them, I want them to not forget about me because I want to impact them in such a way that they can impact other people. Because it, look, every building we build eventually will be torn down, but the people will continue to influence other people. And that's the real opportunity to, to make a difference. So th this wasn't on our list of questions, but what you just said made me think about it. In a, in a world of 140 characters per second, you know, per tweet and being able to instantaneously send a message around the world, it feels like critical thinking is kind of taking the back seat a little bit. And, 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 you know, spending a half hour with Clayton, you know, and understanding your journey could be invaluable to, to anybody, right? Because of your perspective, your context. Um, how do you convince somebody to not have a job, but, but to embrace the concept of a lifelong career? I mean, you've obviously had a career. It's not just a series of jobs. You, you know, Jim, I, I think the key, and I didn't know it at the time, but I'm, I'm doing what I was meant to do. And I love what I do. And in working with my own children, I've encouraged them to, to try different things while I'm paying the bills, so to speak, and find something they love because they're going to have to do it for a long time. Amen. And, and I find that if you, if you're doing something you enjoy, you're intuitively going to be good at it because it doesn't feel like work and you apply yourself. And it's, it's not the grind of a job. It, and, and that's what creates the career. It's a passion right. for what you do. An artist, a, a chef. I mean, you name it. The people that love what they're doing, it just comes out. Well, you and know, and you, you take that so for, most people take that so for granted. It's such simple, quiet advice. I'm, I'm mentoring a young guy now and all he wants to do, he's got out of school. He wants to get a job. I want to get a job. I want to get a job. And I said, well, you know, what kind of job in what kind of industry? And he says, I, I don't And he's, his resume is all over the place. And, and I said, I need you to send me a list of your 10 favorite things to do in life. And he goes, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> There's a real disconnect. Pe people don't understand that that internal passion will get you up early and working late. And, and obviously after 40, 49 years in the industry, you found the secret. You, you found the secret. So, all right. There were there have to be a couple highlights that make you chuckle, giggle, that you really remember. What a couple highlights in this in this wonderful career. You know, the overall highlight, Jim, is that through my growth with Heinz, I, I've been in a series of jobs that I had to really stretch and grow to achieve. You know, it starts with at 21 years old, I was seeing overseeing the engineering leadership for a 230,000 and a 500,000 square foot building. Uh, at 23 years old, I was overseeing the operations on the engineering side for the Houston Galleria that we had built. Wow. At 24, 23, I was, 23. At, at 24, I was opening up a 1.8 million square foot building in Minneapolis. And then at 26, I joined corporate engineering for Heinz and have, have been here in corporate engineering. And so, you know, the good news is I had people that cared about me and wanted me to succeed. And so I never was on my own, but they can't, it's like everything in life. They can't do it for you. Right. You have to do your part and you have to be willing to talk to them openly about your challenges and your problems. And you got to be willing to, to grow and and be better. Uh, so I never felt alone, but I always, always felt like I got to do more. And, you know, I feel like I feel like, Jim, I have a very mild inferiority complex. I don't feel like I'm good enough, which causes me to be willing to work harder to deserve and, and fulfill the expectations people have of me. 
and it, it's been a gift. It's it's had some stress with it, but at the end of the day, it great people mentoring me and supporting me and believing in me and helping me coupled with my willingness to work hard has really been the keys to success. Well, and it's a life with purpose, right? I mean, instead of, you know, randomly jumping around jobs, collecting paychecks, you know, you had a purpose, you understand it early. And I think, you know, not to be the old generation talking, you know, to the, you know, trying to preach to the young generation, but I think there's some real value in understanding that. And that, and it's not just about the quick buck or, or, you know, that, that what you do and what you create and what you produce matters. And, Obviously, that sentiment has gone throughout the entire organization because you can go in. I, I used to joke in the old days, I can go in any city, look at 10 buildings, and I'll tell you the Heinz building in a split second. They just look different, smelt different, you know, felt different. You could see the quality, the passion um, of people like you. You know, it, it, was, it was that obvious. Um, so is there one project or, you know, uh, some something you worked on that, you know, after this long career that just sticks right out at the top? Well. Projects, I'd have to go back to the old Pillsbury Center, which is First Bank Place in Minneapolis now as a project. But but I, I don't I don't think for me it's a project. It's it's the journey okay. uh, of helping the company fulfill Mr. Hines's vision for what engineering operations can be. Jerry Hines is different from most real estate companies in that he's a, a degreed engineering a degreed engineer that was practicing engineering that wanted to be in the real estate business and learn the financial side. Mm -hmm. And so he's always had a huge foundational belief in the value uh, of not just the financial arrangement, but the way you operated and the way you built it. Right. And, and I, I can tell you when we first started this, we, we, we fit right in with the industry. We, we weren't optimizing the opportunity. And so it's been the journey to to really transition the operation engineering group uh and and you know jim i think in fairness trying to be a little careful i think i think we can point to cities where we wouldn't say but the people that work with us and have worked with us say that we transitioned the operations engineering in their cities uh to be more professional and to be more included i mean we've gone to city after city where the engineering manager didn't even get the utility bill and he's supposed wow. to be managing the energy and, 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 you know, some people join us and they think we're a little crazy. And then after, after a while with us, they either fit and they become us right. <laughs> or they don't fit. But, but I, yeah. I look, you know, I, I think we've had an impact on the industry and Mr. Hines would be proud of that. Yeah. So is there any situation project that made you run and want to hide under the covers? <laughs> There's gotta be a couple of those. You know, it, it it wasn't a project. It was, you know, Jim, I, I, I'll say, geez, my first tech project, my first software project, I was, wasn't was qualified to do it, but I was determined to do it. And I was, I was scared. It was a whole new learning curve for me. But you know, how long ago did? was that? How long ago was that? Almost 25, 30 years ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, the firm had reached a point where even though our manual work order and maintenance rec recording and scheduling systems were effective they weren't recognized as open-minded and leading and so we we reached the point where we knew we needed to have a computer uh computerized maintenance management system yeah. and what i found in the market at that time was really centered around the substantial maintenance requirements of industrial and manufacturing and there wasn't a system we felt that really fit real estate 
And so our assignment was to go figure out how to fix that. And it ended up being a partnership with a, a company database international group that we still use their products today. Wow. But it was a, wow. it was a unique partnership where they were a local Boston company that needed national exposure and we needed the special project. We needed a special right. product. It's called you know, Rutgers, my name, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, my name was going to be on it. And I was determined that if I were going to give our people a tool to use and expect them to use it, it was going to be something I believed in and not just not just something that was there. And right. so I, I think I think you have to say we were successful. It's hard to use any software that long. It's evolved and changed and we've partnered for a long time. But yeah, you know, that made me nervous. I, you know, Jim, I think my biggest challenges have been my own professional growth. You know, that that's an individual choice and, and it's not easy. And sometimes you have to change your instinctual behaviors to have learned behaviors and a, a bigger set of tools, not just one tool. And, and it's been a real challenge to evolve and grow to keep up with the change and meet the opportunities and the expectations. And and with that comes the challenges of managing the self-induced stress that comes with all those opportunities. Exactly. They're not easy. It's not easy. Uh, no. And there's challenges and opportunities, but they're not free. No. And then the last no. one is I've had to grow personally. I've had to grow personally a lot to transition to really focus on the well-being of each team member and, and realize that my job is I'm not a boss. I'm a support person. I'm a, right. I'm a mentor. I'm a leader. And Jim, that's benefited me both professionally and personally. It's positioned me much better with my own family and my own family's positioned me better at work. And it's just a, it's just a constant learning experience. And, and it, it's not been easy for me. Yeah. Uh, I like to do it myself. I don't like to let other people do it because I enjoy what I do, but that doesn't grow them. And it, and, that doesn't grow, and, man. Yeah, so it's important. I, 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 you know, so such a true, simple, subtle point, but yet so many people miss it. So many people miss it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we're going to come back, we're going to go to back to that day that Clayton called me and I didn't know him. And he said, Jim, uh, you don't really know me. And he explained who he was. Uh, I, I think there's a whole new generation of tech coming I need to know about. And I'm not necessarily sure I understand it, but I want to talk to you. We'll come back and continue our conversation with Clayton Albert. Bot saves one of our clients over 50 hours a month on their property management project. Another client saves 25 hours every month by using its AI-powered invoice automation. And Rebot finishes the task in just 30 minutes. RPA as a service empowers you to advance your analytics, guarantee consistency, and increase productivity, all while enhancing accuracy and improving employee morale. As a scalable, reliable solution, Rebot becomes an extension of your team, growing alongside you and creating more time for the human members of your team to do what they do best. Your time is important. Let us help you create more of it. Rebot is powered by Retransform, a global technology services provider and partner. All right, let's bring Clayton back and consider, continue this great conversation. All right, so do you remember that phone call when you I, when we talked? Jim, I, I do. I remember that phone call, and, and I even remember before that phone call, I had met you at one of your earlier real comms, and I've always been interested. You know, it comes back to fundamentally Jerry Hines has never been willing to accept status quo, and so he expects us as a team to make our products better, our projects better, our occupant experience better. And when I reflect back, the very first building I operated was total manual, 
with a time set of time clocks and a pin board that most people on the call today don't even know don't what I'm talking know. about. <laughs> but but there's always had to be a better way. And it's just taken a long time to get the better way. And and the tech really got into what I'll call the software, the business process first. Uh, and so it, it wasn't really what I was assigned to do, accounting and stuff like that. So I came to one of your earlier conferences. I remember it was in Dallas and I went, eh, this isn't quite what I'm doing yet. So, and, but then when you, when you created IBCon, it got my okay. attention. I said, okay, it's evolving. And that's when I reached out to you because I said, okay, now it's moving to buildings and yep. it's going to make a difference in my wheelhouse. Well, interesting enough, it was always, we always had the smart building conversation in Realcom, but people thought it was just for, you know, accounting and back office. So we just changed the name and and basically pulled the smart building conversation out of Realcom to a place when you got the email that said this is happening, you go and we that's when everything really opened up and we we had a whole new audience, engineers and and facility managers and and even, you know, HR people. Um because to your point, it was at the building. Now we're talking about something very specific that I can relate to. Um, yeah. So, so going back to that conversation, um, that, that that was a time when things were really starting to move a little faster, and we were kind of leaving the old things behind and grabbing on some new ideas, like a network in a building, and even back then, building Internet of Things. Um, you know, do you recall like when you jump back in? Uh, what, what did that feel like? I mean, was it new? Was it just needed to dust off some old ideas? Because there's a lot of people who hesitate making that jump and that change. Jim, it had moved a lot and I had some catching up to do, which is what I told you on the call. It, it wasn't impossible and, it, and I wasn't naive to it or not a neophyte by any stroke. But, you know, part of the challenge, right, for us on the business side is always to make sure that it, it creates that value. At the end of the day, it costs money and we've got to be able to draw those lines from the vision to the execution to the value creation. And so... You know, I was thankful that you embraced me and said, okay, I'm going to introduce you some people. And it didn't take long to catch up, but it took effort to catch up. It had the decision. It was a decision. Well, and it took, it took multiple times the same conversation to try to understand not only where it was, but where it was going and how we could benefit from it. You know, when I think back, the first BMS I had, <laughs> it was an electronic time clock with a few analog temperatures and a few status light boards. <laughs> and we always knew it would go more, but we're not the innovator of the tech. No. We're the consumer of the tech and we're some of the innovative minds behind the tech. But we're, we're not a parts and pieces company. We're not a, a, a product company. We're not the person or the company delivering the computer or the, the sensors and stuff. And so working with people in that business to make it better. It's been so much fun. Well, we're a, we're a we're a society of ADD people, right? We're very impatient. We get bored quickly. You know, we we are attracted to shiny new objects. You know, fear of missing out. I mean, and and at some point, if you're going to do this tech seriously, you got to take a little bit more sober, mature look, right? You got to understand those complicated, boring things like enterprise architectures and networks, and you got to roll your sleeves up and get a little dirty, right? And for executives like yourself to guide teams making that. You, you don't have to understand all of it because that's impossible, but you need to understand the fundamentals. What would you say to your peers or in senior level positions like you about rolling up the sleeves and figuring it out? Well, I, I think you gotta want to, and you gotta realize it's gonna take some time. But also, Jim, 
this industry is full of people more than willing to talk to you and help you. And they're not all just salespeople. I, I can think of a whole list of people that had the same conversation with me three or four times before I could really begin to grasp it all and embrace it. And so I, I think you got to make a commitment. You got to know it's going to take time. You got to believe it's going to create value. And then you got to find some people that, that are in that part of it that you're most interested in and, and engage with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, it seems like such a logical idea. Okay. Things are changing. I've been in the building industry. This tech thing is coming. I should probably pay attention, but I'll tell you, there are still, you know, a good number of senior level execs and organizations all over the world, real estate that, that kind of understand it a little bit from the side, but are willing to take the deep dive that you did. It, so you could correctly guide your teams, right? I mean, you'll never understand the bits and bytes anymore. There's too many of them, right? But you've got people who do that. But you still under, need to understand the impact that those bits and bytes are going to have on the business. And I think that's the real value proposition, you know, is, is to know where you want to go. Jim, it is. But also, look, you, you can't do it by yourself. And what Heinz has no. been steadily doing is expanding our team and, and creating and recreating. Today, we have a a global digital strategy office. We have a, a corporate data and analytics team. We have a, our IT team is IT has expanded. We got a business systems processes group. You know, Heinz is willing to in, in invest time, money, and people. They recognize it's growing and it's got to be resourced. Uh, and so I, th I think a leader also has to find the path to find the right people and the right resources and the right structure that aligns with how his company is structured. Yep. So we're gonna get a couple minutes left. I want to get to the the conversation, you know, that I think is really at the at the base of all this is is taking the time to recognize leaders who are willing to work three jobs, give of their time. We've been recognizing through our Digi Awards people for 24 years now. And about four or five years ago, we started a new category called the lifetime achievement. These are the people that just rise to the top. And so and, and I, we picked 20 at our 20th anniversary, we picked 20 of them to catch up. And then every year we've been giving it out since. And you were uh, one of those recipients. Um, and, and, and so what, what would you say out to the industry out there about why it's important to take time to recognize people, but also why it's important maybe to take them to the side and get a cup of coffee with them? Well, Jim, first off, it's not easy to be a leader. It's not easy to be a thought provoker, an innovative person that thinks outside the normal easy path. And I think the people joining us today would benefit from knowing that, that the people that are thinking that way drive a ton of energy and motivation from recognition. But I would also point out that it doesn't have to be a prestigious industry of public award like your awards. I, get I think we underestimate the one-on-one -on -one conversations and let's remember that most people that do this don't do it for the money. No, they do it because they're in pursuit of a belief and a dream and they swim upstream and they're willing to change and they're willing to push the status quo and they get more energy yeah. out of someone coming up and saying, Hey, I've noticed you were talking about this. I'm interested in that. Or, Hey, I noticed you did this or you did that. Those private conversations are a source of energy and support and confidence gain from people willing to have that conversation and just recognize what they are doing. Yep. Yep. Well, and and to, to take what you just said, and then you combine it with this concept of giving out awards to, like that we do, 
know, if I was new to this industry, I think I'd email somebody on our team and say, hey, can I have the list of the top 25 you know, lifetime achievement winners? And I'd sort through the list and maybe find five or 10 and I'd go have lunch with them. And, and, and they would be willing to have lunch. These are the most giving, sharing, collaborative people, you know, that I've ever met. And that our community promotes that. And um, so, yeah, I think, uh, well, you know, congratulations again on that award. Um, well, well deserved. And, and I know that you are much more of a giver than a taker. And uh, hopefully people watching will understand, you know, that, that the value of giving awards to people. And, and we just don't give them to anybody. There's a lot of thought that goes into them. So thank you for being number 24. And, uh, and uh, we will um, be doing it again next year, number 25. So, all right, we are um, out of time. I, I, we could keep going. Um, but I got to say thank you for taking the time. Hopefully, uh, a lot of young people out there in the industry starting out will take the 18 minutes that we've been speaking and dissect every word you said, and uh, and maybe you'll get an email or two, you know, that says, uh, "Hey, I heard you," and uh, I'm gonna take you up on it. I got some questions. And, uh, <laughs> Happy to do it. All right. So thank you again. You have a wonderful day, and uh, we will be in touch. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Well, that, you know, that that conversation was worth uh, more than a million dollars. I just hope people take the time and understand the wisdom that that man has. Take a little time to dissect it. And I guarantee you it will help your day make it a little better. And it'll help your career. Uh, and like you heard him say, uh, he's always willing to take the call. So let's bring on uh, one of my favorite parts of the conversation, our uh, review of the weekly news. There he is. Haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. You've been out on the beach suntanning. Yeah, sort of. Uh, no, you've been, <laughs> Not really. You've been, you've been working. <laughs> All right, let me get out of your way. Uh, let's hear the news, and I'll come back when you're done. Oh, uh, thanks, Jim. And uh, really, good, uh, great show with Clayton. Thank you, Clayton, for all the years you've given to the industry. It just uh, it, it's it's been phenomenal, um, and looking forward to a, to some more. Uh, now, I'm going to recap a few stories from our weekly news. So our lead story this week, it comes from our own Chuck Neiswanger, and it's, in cor it's entitled Corporate Real Estate Trends, Striking the Balance Between Physical Space and Tech. So in, in panel discussions in our August Corporate Real Estate uh, webinar series, we focused on changing workplace, need to recreate op corporate office spaces that really reflect a, series, a sense of teamwork, belonging, community. Keeping up with the new workplace uh, demands of tenants really requires that our corporate real estate technology stacks go way beyond traditional integration of business applications and include data from all kinds of different things from smart building devices and workshop management apps and, and ESG decarbonization. So for landlords, this means they're gonna be seeing probably an overall reduction in gross lease space uh, over the next few years, but coupled with an increase in tenant improvements and for tenants probably will require an expanded tech strategy that can be challenging on a number of levels especially available skill sets and costs at a time where profitability may be questionable. So I'm gonna hold there and encourage you to read this article. Great article, thanks Chuck. Uh, next, I just wanna shout out to this week's tech partner, Ascensus, with their article on four key things impacting occupant experience. So landlords, they all now understand how important it is to keep tenants comfortable, but even with that, tenants are asking for more. They want more agility in the workplace configuration, better services and amenities, seamless, secure networks. So what are the factors that impact occupiers most? One, technology like responsive IoT for occupant comfort 
wireless bandwidth, whether four bar cellular, 5G, Wi-Fi, or CBRS. Flex two, flexibility in the way space can be used and changed on demand. Three, seamless experiences wherever occupants go in a building or on a campus, no matter where, whether it's from access to control to service delivery. And then of course, rock solid security and privacy. And there's more, much more in the article, thanks to Census. Um, so for those of you who've been coming to RealCom, I've become over the past 10 years or so, you know that we feature a smart building best practice showcase where we bring in 30 plus uh, real estate execs representing some of the most iconic smart building projects from around the world to mix with attendees in a highly interactive poster session. And over the years, we've literally memorialized hundreds of notable buildings and projects in our showcase profiles. Now, each week uh, in, in, in Realcom Live or in, in our briefings, we're sharing one of these project profiles in, our, uh, uh, in the weekly news briefing. And this week, we're focusing on Hotel Marcel, one of the pioneer all low voltage hotels in North America. Uh, another great example by Sinclair Holdings of employing a DC infrastructure in commercial buildings. Finally, uh, and this is welcome news, uh, by 2025, there's estimated to be 3.5 million cybersecurity jobs open globally. That's a 350% increase over the last eight years, according to Cybersecurity Ventures and Microsoft, they are intent on closing this gap. They estimated in 2021, the country had about 450,000 unfilled positions that required cyber skills and the average salary for those jobs was about 105,000, but Booz Allen Hamilton reported annual earnings of entry-level cyber employees now to be around 150,000. So despite the steep demand and the high salaries, only 3% of US bachelor degree holders have cyber-related skills. So Microsoft, Microsoft's given 150 million to federal, state, and local governments to support upgrading their agency cyber protection. And they've committed an additional 20 billion in advancing their security solutions over the next five years. So they're collaborating with about 180 community colleges across 44 states to provide accessible pathways into the profession. So learn more in this great article. Um, with that, I'm out of time. I'm gonna wrap it up. That's it for me today. So everyone have a great weekend and back to you, Jim. All right, so, so Howard, um, just to piggyback a little bit on that last story, um, we talked about that last week on RealCom Live on the privacy slash cyber conversation. You know, what do we do? And uh, I think um, one of the conversations played in a little bit to this Microsoft announcement. We have to partner with people like Microsoft so they can understand the, you know, the requirements for an industry like ours, not just the enterprise issues, but the building IoT, smart building conversations. So I am truly grateful for a company like that to notice you know, that we are short some cybersecurity expertise and to put that kind of money and commitment behind it. And I think there's real opportunities for industries like ours to jump onto that uh, bandwagon uh, and leverage the big heavy lifting they're going to do and then apply it to our industry. So that's cool. And I would encourage other tech companies, the other big tech companies, to do exactly the same thing, to, yeah. uh, to work together, to collaborate uh, with our private sectors, our public sectors, our government, uh, to help put our heads together and figure this out. Yeah, we got some news. We got some news coming out in a few weeks. We're kind of in the final information gathering stages. Um, there, there's a lot going on under the covers right now that we're going to be talking about throughout the fall. And uh, just look for those those announcements. They're coming soon. Yeah. 
Thank you, sir. You have a great day and uh, I'll see you next Friday. Or are you going to be here next Friday or are you traveling? No, nah, traveling next Friday. Okay. So Lisa, uh, I think a couple of weeks. Lisa, Lisa and Nance will do the news. Awesome. All right. You have a great uh, a weekend. Um, all right. So before we talk about next week's show and wrap up, let's take uh, our final here, uh, here from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. Real Foundations is a professional services firm focused on helping companies that develop, own, operate, or invest in real estate make smarter, more profitable decisions. From the building itself to the way it's developed, operated, and capitalized, no firm understands the inner workings of the entire real estate ecosystem as well as Real Foundations. We make real estate run better. very near and dear to my heart. And that's the whole venture capital, private capital activities going on in the prop tech world. It's been going on since about 2009. We've had some ups and downs, some adjustments, but in so many respects, the capital just keeps flowing. So we said, we want to get a handle, not on where is it just today, but get some perspective on where some really smart people think it's been. Have we seen the results? Are we getting uh, are the bang for the buck? And what do they expect to see in the next couple of years as far as the big innovations coming out of these massive investments? So we got two phenomenal guests, Travis Connor from Building Ventures and Paige Pitcher from Modern Ventures. And uh, we are going to have one lively conversation, hopefully give you some insight as to the trajectory of all the investment dollars coming into our industry. With that, you have a great day, great weekend, and we will see you next week. Be well.